Retro Rebel Gamecast episode 43 is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 players. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can even find us on Facebook at Temple of Geek for exclusive content, and see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my Rebel co-host, Amanda. What's up? Hello. You look like you got your nails did. I did. I'm very fancy. (laughs) Very fancy. (laughs) So well, you... I was supposed to be at Spokane this week. That's and true. Then, that is true. And then I got pushed back a week. So For the now ge- Geography whole... Challenge, I believe, that is Washington, the state. Yes, Washington, the state. Mm-hmm. It's the upper north we, upper northwest of America. Yeah, upper northwestiest of our states. Next to, well, Alaska. Aside from Alaska. Right, right, right. But that's basically Russia's the backyard. The contiguous. 49, 48. <laughs> Whatever, um, you know. Yeah. So I was supposed to be there, got pushed back a week, but now it means that uh, I will actually not be available for the next three weekends because I fly out on a weekend, fly back on a weekend, and then the following weekend I'm in Mallorca, Spain, on a say, little like, that, that jolly, jolly yeah. wally. It's an island. In, oh my goodness. Ridiculous. Well, our listeners are going to be, be beaching it up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And they'll be sad, and, and uh, they will have to do with probably me and Daniel talking about Switch, so people will know which episodes to skip. <laughs> For three weeks. Right. <laughs> uh, while you're on the beach. So, I'm it, fine. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're fine with that. Um, I'll take that trade any day. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what have you been playing? I've just been trying to finish the stick of truth. Um, and I've gotten, I want to say like maybe 30% through the game. It's much slower this time because the combat, as I mentioned last week, is like much harder. It's all about timing, you know, otherwise you'll do like one damage. And I kind of space out in fights that long, you know, so it starts off promising and then it ends up with me just doing like one damage for like the next 20 minutes because i just can't focus um the story i know i know well you know but it's like still a good story i'm like quite interested in it it's just like really the combat is quite tedious and there doesn't seem to be like any setting i've got it on the easiest setting because i was like oh maybe i would put it down to easy they won't do this timing thing You'll just mash buttons and I can focus on the story. No, no, the timing's still there. It just seems to be, like, slightly more forgiving. But even that doesn't help much when I get distracted. So trying to finish that when playing some Hearthstone, I downloaded a new app from recommendation from some girlfriends of mine called Song Pop 2. (laughs) And uh, basically it's like you get played a few seconds of a song and you either have to name 
the, like the artist or the title, depending on what the multiple choice answers are. Um, it, I'm pretty good at it because I have like an eidetic memory for song lyrics and like that sort of thing. Yeah. So I've been enjoying playing that for a while. I was like number one in the world on the party playlist, 1981 to 2000s top hits. <laughs> so for a short period of time, I was number one in the world and then somebody passed me. But, you know, it's one of those things where if you want to be like number one, they want you to like spend money and buy more tickets and like just keep playing, 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 like right. so that your score is so high that people would also have to do the same to beat you. Right. And I'm not about that. So, no. There should be a category uh, for those that won't. Yeah, well, you know. Here's the, here's the losers that w won't give it their all, and then you're the top of the list. <laughs> and then the other list is, you know, here's those that, you know, are willing to do whatever it takes. Well, I can get to the top 200 pretty consistently. So, you know, without trying a second time, you know, like well, on the first out of 8 go. billion people, I guess that's okay, considering a large and, number of them don't have the internet, so. Yeah, well, you know, I don't I don't know how many, play, I'm, I'm sure a couple million people play this game. It's like one of those sort of Facebook mobile port situations, so I'm sure it gets a bit of play, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, th that's what I've been doing. I've been playing a weird Facebook mobile app game situation, and, uh, trying to beat Stick of Truth and playing some Hearthstone at the gym. You know, that's how we roll. You do that at the gym? Yeah. Because I, I, I uh, do recumbent cardio, recumbent cycle. Oh, I? yeah, so, so you can do that. You know what? Yeah. That sounds like the best way to do cardio right now. I get super bored any other way, so it keeps me going for the full 25-minute cycle. So that's what we need. Well, good. Um, I found my new uh, cardio mode, and um, I've tried to watch Netflix and cardio. That, you know, it's like no, it I, doesn't work. I hate cardio so much that it doesn't matter what I'm watching. Yeah, you have to do something with your hands, otherwise you'll keep looking up at the clock. It's true, so true. And even the towel covering the clock doesn't work. So yeah, no, because you're gonna be yeah, yeah. Boo. Well, all right. Well, good. Well. I have also probably been playing Hearthstone as much, if not more than anything else. Um, I still have not finished all of the uh, dungeons, uh, but I think I, I've finished three now. So. Um, oh, I think you're beating me now. Yeah. I, I've taken a break from dungeons. I've been doing arena a lot. I like arenas too. What I don't like about arenas, though, is I'm not good and I'm not... I'm not good at <laughs> creating decks with without like some sense of like what are the cards you're giving me? And the first two or three sets that they give me, it's like, okay, I'll pick these three. Well you you may have already messed up your deck if you mm -hmm. chose the wrong cards and then you're putting something together that has no rhyme or reason and no synergy and so when you make me pick a deck three cards at a time, I don't know how people do it and do it well. So. I wouldn't say I'm that bad at it, but look, here's the thing, right? You spend 150, yeah, for the shot. Mm -hmm. Even even if you lose, you're gonna get on average 30 like gold back or wisps or whatever the fuck the currency is called. Yeah, and then a pack. Even if you lose every single match, but mm -hmm. on the off chance that you built a good deck, you would actually end up ahead. And even so, it's only 20 gold more expensive than just buying the pack outright yeah 
Yeah. So if for that, it's worth it for the shot. Yeah. That's what I've found. I guess that's true. That is true. Um, because you're going to get a pack you. anyway. You just don't, you just have to, you know, I guess the chance that you could get more maybe outweighs the chance that, uh, you know, just, just quickly opening a pack. That makes sense. I can see that. Uh, and I have it's worth one. it. Look, I've it's only 20 G more expensive. Yeah. yeah. And I've won four or five matches before, you know, so it's not like I'm completely inept. And, which made my skills feel a lot better, I found that there aren't very many mage decks that make it all the way. Um, in fact, in the meta game, there's really only five or six decks that are uh, are being played at like the championships and, and in all, all the tournaments. And it's probably the ones that are pissing me off the most. Um, they're you know these these uh, aggro tempo decks with druid and and rogues with pirates and and um, the the druid. no no the only two decks that make me want to lose my mind is a murloc summoner deck. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and one of those draw all your cards till you're getting Matt aggro decks. Oh yeah. Those well, th- those decks. Those ones make me hate my life. Those the ones that um that make you draw until your your hand is full because they want their hand to be full, but they also want you to keep drawing. I don't know if you've seen many of these decks where it's basically they'll they'll play the the cold light oracle murloc that has the yeah they want two. you to draw until you have no cards left and you're taking seven damage right at the start of your turn right and and I and they've got like there's this one uh, rogue deck that has a, a a weapon it's a it's an a legendary weapon that once you're done with it, whatever enchants it has on it, it goes back into your deck. So let's say you put two potions on it or whatever that give it seven, eight, nine damage. Well, once you're done using it, it goes back in your deck. So no matter what, you never run out of cards because you'll always have a weapon in your deck. And then you pull that weapon, and now it's got nine damage on it. And then you add something else to it, and it's, you know... Anyway, so it's... Uh, I had I faced one of those the other day, and it was like a 15 or 20 minute match because my deck is is slow burn as well. So it's but I play almost exclusively mage, and I think it's just because I'm hard headed and I'm like, well, I'm gonna win no matter what. I don't care. I'm gonna figure out a way to beat these decks. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> and I play a mage secrets deck, and I and so yeah. it made me feel better that <laughs> the secrets deck is not the one that's making it all the way up. And so for me to get to 14 or 13, even though I'm playing a deck that's disadvantaged in the meta, makes me feel better. Um, because I don't really... I mean, I'm not, like not even looking at that. I mean, I'm playing like a Battlecry Pally deck. That's like my most common deck. Or like yeah. Priest Dragon Call. Like, I like the Priest Dragon. I like that one. I love the Priest Dragon. Or the Priest like Elemental. That one's really good as well if you've got a couple good Elemental cards. Yeah. The ones that are like, if you're holding an elemental or played an elemental last turn, you get like this. Yeah. Brilliant. You can just chain that for days. Yeah. Then all the slow burn deaths are dead before they even get to like six mana. Right. Right. No, I, I mean, I'm, I love that. I love those two decks. I love the mage. Uh, I, I made a mage uh, dragon deck as well. And it's probably, it, it's. I think it's my favorite to play because I love the deck. It's also the one that if I get the wrong cards to start with, I might as well quick to i might as well go ahead and give up concede um because you it had there are certain cards you have to have at the beginning otherwise you sit there and you don't play cards for too many turns i've got too many big too many big cards oh yeah game, no. you know so 
that my third the third round if I haven't played something or if I'm just now playing something sometimes it's too late and I'm playing catch up and I just don't have the deck for that I'll last a long time because I got a lot of deck clearing cards but, mm-hmm. or, or uh, board clearing cards but anyway oh you would hate to play me all I do is transform everyone's minions into frogs all day long all day <laughs> long I love it when people they like waiting they're like passing pass 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 I was like you don't even know I have like four transform cards in my deck like we keep passing I'm gonna be able to nerf your minions every, every time they come See, out like you're just gonna cry my friend that's what that's why I love uh, the the secrets deck is because as soon as I've got a bunch of cards that allow me to play like secrets for free so like i'll play a card and then play a secret which is like six it's usually six mana but if if uh if i've got these cards then it can drop it to two mana or three mana so i'm playing two cards for the price of one and i can actually play one secret which is worth three right on my very first turn when i only have one mana stone so uh Anyway, so exactly. Well, it, that's the frustrating part. Is so I'll play one, and I've got a secret that it will hit you for six, but it's it's got the spill damage. So if you put out a minion that's worth four, has four health, it'll hit the minion for four and then hit you for two. And right. Then, yeah. And then I've got uh, you know I've got the uh, a polymorph secret that as soon as you cast something, it turns into a sheep. Um, Beautiful. That's okay. my favorite one. <laughs> And, and then probably one of the most satisfying, those are very satisfying for sure, but one of the most satisfying, especially when you're playing like a Warlock or a Pally that, that has those those might buffs for demons or whatever else, I've got a secret that uh, it's a 1-3 character that whatever spell you just cast, it will be cast on that thing. So say you're yeah. casting it on your most powerful minion. Well, it doesn't cast it on your minion, it casts it on mine. And it works good if you're actually casting a damage spell too. So it casts the damage spell on that one instead of whatever one you were actually targeting. So anyway, it's it's fun. I enjoy playing those those two decks the most. Um, and I'm I feel like our listeners like don't tune in for like 20 minutes of us talking about Hearthstone. Well, we at least we're talking time. about games. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people. Uh, I've listened to a lot of podcasts where they didn't even get to games for the first 20 minutes. So <laughs> at least we did that. So I, I guess we can end it there. That is a good call. Uh, but I but I have played a lot. That's probably all I've really been playing lately. So well, that brings us to our first topic, and a topic that I've been following kind of closely, and and we more or less spur of the moment uh, came up with this one to discuss here officially. But I've been following it pretty closely, and that's esports, and more or less just. I really want to start talking about like what's your what are your first impressions like your personal takes how do you see esports uh, as of right now not like what you've heard or anything else but coming into this episode what was your personal opinion your your first take on esports like what uh, is it? it's a thing for people from South Korea <laughs> that's a good call I mean that's exactly what I what I'm looking for is because I think for the the general person and the parent out there which is not amanda but the the uh you know the people <laughs> out there who just probably don't have the finger on the pulse of gaming uh generally which you do but most people don't they don't think of esports the esports is a joke you know esports is not a thing it's uh uh to, to even 
to I mean to consider it being something that would be reported on uh, by ESPN just seems ridiculous. I would think for many people, right? I think there's a stigma around it where like you're just playing video games, but I would say that every professional sport is people just playing a game. So does it really matter? Like they all require a certain amount of athletic skill, whether that's hand-eye coordination or like physical prowess, you know, like darts is a sport. And I feel like that requires just as much hand-eye coordination as video games. You know what I mean? Like they're pretty much on bar. How much so, how much time is dedicated to poker championships on load, ESPN? Yeah. You know, uh, so and and there's there's and I bet you and and my my profession is you know is surrounds the idea and the 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 uh, just the concept of exercise and physical activity and and so that's more or less what I do and so. I can guarantee you if we were to look at and compare the physiological requirements to play poker and the physiological requirements to play a video game, I'm willing to bet that there is little or no difference between the two in terms of like, I bet you your heart rate, uh, you know, starts to increase when you're excited in poker and the same thing can happen in, in gaming. So um, in terms of just like the requirements, uh, the physical exertion, I think that they're very similar. So if we're going to talk about it and split hairs that way, I don't think that there's very much difference. But I really do think that there is a stigma uh, on on, uh, on eSports, and, and, uh, and, and it's, it is this misconception about what gaming is in general. So you mentioned South Korea as kind of like uh, where eSports, uh, you know, first came to mind to you. Why is that? Why? What was your first, you know, your first take? Like, where did you first hear about esports? Oh, well, back when I was playing City of Heroes, I mean, this would have been over 10 years ago. Um, it was quite, like, common for them to be, like, for there to be gold farmers from South Korea and China. And it's because they've, like, in Asian countries... Their internet cafes have high-end PCs. It's not like like here in this country, for example. When you go to an internet cafe, cafe, it's like it's like a shitty Dell from like eight years ago. <laughs> like you can't actually play any games on it. It's not for this. It's for like people who don't have a computer to like send emails. But there, it's like a competitive environment where people will spend hours like playing games, and it's like fine to do that. So it's like socially acceptable to an extent. Yeah. Um, and I remember that there, it, it started to become popular around that time with WoW specifically. Like when I was obviously playing another MMO, but still, like you kind of, when you're in that realm, you kind of are aware what's going on. And I just remember everybody who was anybody was coming from South Korea. Like they had big sponsors, big names behind them. Most of them were like, like the chip processors, so like AMD and like Nvidia, right. Razorware. They used to sponsor these big teams out there, and the prize pools were, you know, two hundred fifty thousand. But right. that was ten years ago. You know, like when it was new. Like the prize pools now are in the millions, yeah. um, if not more, and and for all sorts of games. So you know, when I first heard about it, it was very much something coming out of China. Um, and, and South Korea and South Korean teams won almost all the time. Right. Um, just 
you know, they obviously had access to the cutting edge technology because most of the manufacturers of chipsets and things like that are there um, in, in Eastern countries. So, you know, they're getting access to the best technology, like socially, it's a bit more acceptable over there. Um, and well, they were treated think, like athletes, you know, those, yeah. the, the individuals who were in, and, and I remember, uh, my first take was, or the, the first time I ever really saw it on the map for, for us here in America was with Starcraft and Starcraft tournaments. And so that was, that was what I equated with, you know, esports was, and I still thought it was niche. I thought it was a very, very small group of, and, and I guess to a certain extent it really was exclusive to that group but you had you had you know mostly south koreans um who were playing starcraft and to the point where they've they've entered the guinness book of world records uh for for the speed at which they've completed those games and and built uh <laughs> um well anybody that's played starcraft and i've never played it competitively but i loved starcraft i loved warcraft the original warcraft and building your cities and and the real-time strategy of it all. Um, but there's nothing that pisses you off faster if you're building your city and you get zerged in StarCraft. Um, and all you see, and there's nothing you can do about it, is hundreds, what it's, what appears to be hundreds of their armies just marching through, and you can't build things fast enough. And the term zerg was coined because of this and what it is to zerg. And so, anyway... Uh, yeah, so that uh, uh, that was my first impression, and, and I wasn't—I never really thought at the time that it was going to be something that was accessible to everyone. That that was going to be something that you could do that would be an option for people. I thought it was very much, you know, a, a tech-centric, someone who a, a, a niche niche area where people who had to had to have certain. They had to have certain requirements, boxes checked to be able to participate. And I think that was more or less the case back then, just like you were saying. NVIDIA, AMD, they all were sp sponsoring these people and probably giving them the best tech. Uh, and and I mean, I still think it's the case now. Right, right. Like, what is the chance of, of anybody that you know getting to compete in one of these? Like, would you even know where to go? Like, when I saw on the Hearthstone forums the other day, they're like, pick your champion in the Hearthstone whatever. And I was like... I didn't even know that was an option. Like, right. do you get invited to this? Do you have to register for this? Where's the information about this? Like, obviously, I wouldn't win because I'm not that good. But, like, my husband, for example, has been playing Civilization for six years straight. Yeah. Like, he's got to be good. You don't play something that long and not be good at it. You right, know what I mean? Right. So where is the Civilization Revolution, like, championship? Where's that information? Like... Like, my only criticism of this whole sports thing is there doesn't seem to be talent agents. Yeah? Right. So, like, where are the people inside these huge manufacturers looking at your data and saying, this person needs to compete? Right. You know what I mean? They've got access to it. They could have been inviting people. Like, maybe I was the world best at something and just nobody ever told me. You know? Like, right. It's possible, you know, I feel like nobody's looking. I feel like you have to go out and put yourself out there and pay money to enter one of these like regional comp like competitions. And like, how do you know if you're any good? Like, honestly, how do you know if you're yeah. any good? Because with the new revelations about 
um, the algorithms being used to pair people in multiplayer in order to get them to buy microtransactions, things like that. You are now being given a full sense of being good at something. Yeah. So how do you know how you would shape up in that environment, whether it's even an option? That's my number one criticism. It's not like you're like playing for a local football team and there's a scout who comes by and says, we want to offer you a scholarship. They don't seem to do that yet. And they need to do that. But we're on the cusp, and we'll get to that in, in the in the second topic. We actually are on the cusp of that, which I think is really, I think that's really cool. That's fascinating. I don't know where it's going to go from here, but we can speculate on that in a minute. I think it started, though, and this is where, this. I don't know if this answers your question, but I think it at least gives us a, a point to start at. I think it started with LAN parties, LAN parties, uh, where you would... Especially here in the states, where you have uh, QuakeCon, and there used to be Unreal tournament tournaments. When Unreal was not just an engine maker, they actually created the Unreal tournament, um, where you 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 could participate and and you could go to these LAN parties and compete against people all sitting in the same general area. That gave you a better sense of how you would pair up against an actual you know where everything is the same everybody you bring your computer but everybody's running on you know you're on the same server everybody's right there in the same area and so the you know the the field is evened out a little bit and i think that that makes it to where you can actually i mean it still doesn't make it accessible to everyone um you would have to travel to these places um but that does i mean if you knew about it uh back in the day that would be one way that you could tell really how good your skills were because if you depend upon your own, your your internet connection at the house or at your respective house and how that compares against somebody else's there's just too many variables that you can't control that can affect that and so um, this is one of the ways that they used to be able to do it so land parties playing quake uh, playing uh, unreal where they would start to do that and and kind of uh, it leveled the playing field and you could really test your skills and see how you measured up against other people now I think it's evolved with League of Legends, uh, Dota, some of these other um, Heroes of the Storm even, uh, where they'll, they still will have land parties. They still will have places where you can go and compete against one another. But um, but that, I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's that's definitely um, that's definitely where it is. It's going. But I saw it. I, I mean, originally I, I never thought it was something that was going to grow to what it is now. Uh, but I, I remember the. QuakeCon and and uh, and the and the land parties and things like that where people go even if it was a a small group I mean people used to do it with Halo I don't know if you ever did it with Halo but I know there were people oh yeah that take, we used to do it with Halo yeah you yeah. take two or three Xboxes and you put them in the same house and you can all compete against one another you know and um, yeah stuff like I mean that's that's cool it's not really practical for everybody but if you were able to do that that's some of the most fun that I've ever had playing games so even if i sucked at halo which i truly truly sucked at halo oh no one could be worse at halo than me oh, <laughs> oh my god I, so I, bad i well then you and i may be the only two people that played it and i played it uh, i mean i played it almost exclusively for the story because of how bad i was at multiplayer oh no i was forced to play multiplayer for like 60 hours oh my like god. in my childhood yeah like for hours and hours now like on a sleepover it was just constant Halo for like hours, and I sucked. I was just get headshot across the map, just, just spawn headshots, spawn headshots. Fine. You're just facing the wrong direction and getting headshotted. 
It was fine. There was plenty of Doritos, so, you know. <laughs> well, good. Well, that topic was brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. Reading is fun, and Audible has been around for almost 20 years providing a great service. Help us out by heading over to Audible.com and check out their trial service of a free audiobook and 30-day trial by entering audibletrial.com slash podcast. Amanda, what is our recommendation this week? Our recommendation this week is I Can't Make This Up, Life Lessons by Kevin Hart. Um, it is, if you don't know Kevin Hart, he is a big comedian and he's in lots of movies. And basically he is talking about his like memoir, his life, um, and, and all the weird trials and tribulations he went through to kind of get to where he is. It's supposed to be a really like funny book. It's got four, um, point seven stars, like over 2000 people loving this thing. Um, and it's 11 hours of, of good content, um, narrated by Kevin Hart himself. That makes it even better. If he's narrating it, then you're going to get the emphasis where you want it or where he wanted exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, that makes it so much better, more enjoyable. And 11 hours, guys, is really not that long in terms of audiobooks. So many audiobooks are much longer than that. So you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now, or you can choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial. Topic two, just delving a little bit deeper into this, is I want to look at esports now and and where esports is is potentially going. So now I've I've got a I've got an inside track on on some of this stuff, but you were doing some research and and we both really have found out kind of the same things about what Blizzard is doing right now with Overwatch. Overwatch is the story, I think. Um, yeah. But there are other they there are other esports uh, games out there. But uh, Overwatch is kind of where uh, where I want to start this particular topic. So what did you find out about Overwatch? Overwatch just started a league, and it seems to be pretty awesome. Yeah, so um, the minimum salary for Overwatch League players is 50000 U.S. dollars. That includes health insurance and a retirement plan, and each player also gets 50% of their team performance bonuses, um, which say in the first season is 3.5 million yeah with wow. 1 million going to the team champion so 1 million goes to the, the kind of mvp yeah and then everybody else splits those 2.5 million um and then you get 50k to start with as your um kind of starting salary and i think it's a uh, answer to, you know, video games isn't a real job. It's an answer to esports aren't a real sport. Um, and it's starting to get a bit more on par with some of the other like sports industries. Now we're not at football or baseball or basketball yet. Those people make $10 million like each yet, but American football, right? I think, yeah, yeah. But we're starting <laughs> to get, you know, we're starting to get closer. Um, but, that being said, Overwatch is kind of one of the most lucrative. So, for example, um, the disparity between games. If you think Overwatch, there's a prize pool of 3.5 million. Yeah. Dota 2, there's a prize pool of 18 million. Mm -hmm. Whereas the World of Warcraft prize pool is only 250,000. So, the type right. of game that you're good at is going to make a huge difference to what you can make. Um, and when we were doing research, we found that the big like reason why these things are becoming more lucrative is because huge brands are getting involved in sponsoring these. So Coca-Cola is working with Riot Games, who does League of Legends, um, Doritos, Red Bull, YouTube, Microsoft. Um, they're all 
kind of trying to get their like slice of the esports pie because if and, and it's been proven. I mean, I work in marketing and advertising myself. Yeah. If a brand sponsors something you love and care about, you, you will buy that brand. Right. It's part of human nature. If someone gives you a gift, yeah, you do feel indebted to them. Even if the gift is worth almost nothing or nothing to you, like you can't even use it, you still feel <laughs> indebted. So these brands are being super clever by ingratiating themselves into a fan base, which tends to have fairly high disposable income for products in their category. So it's like a smart marketing move. And it's a good move generally for the community. The more money that goes into it, the more people will accept this as like a real sport. Um, um, but the, the downside, of course, of that being is there is a huge disparity between game types and games become unpopular pretty fast. So how long does Overwatch, League of Legends, whatever, how long does that have reigning at the top, you know, uh, you know, in the millions for a prize pool before it becomes like World of Warcraft, where it's down to 250,000. Right. Um, and that's kind of the, the flip side. Well, I wonder, too, I mean, because like you said, there is a huge difference between the types of game. When we're talking about World of Warcraft, you're talking about an MMO. We're talking about just arena. So we're talking about PVP in, in an MMO. So we're using... <laughs> acronyms for or uh, uh, abbreviations for those that don't know you know we're talking about player versus player in a massive multiplayer online game and that is very different than a real-time strategy game that is very different than uh these um heroes heroes games where um oh what is the what is the category for dota and and i'm Aren't they tower defense? No. Well, I think there probably is. They're some the tower kind where there's like it. two lanes. They're the ones that are like two lanes. Forget what they're called. Yeah, and, and I can't remember what that's, they're called either. That's disregard that's that. And yeah, let us know in the comments how terrible that is. Um, but yeah, so, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so and, and they are they are Dota is I mean Dota's a free game. A MOBA. A MOBA. Yeah. We'll delete there this we last section and. <laughs> For a MOBA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretend like we knew the whole time. We knew the whole time. So these MOBAs, um, like Dota and, and League of Legends and Heroes of the Storm, which I think Heroes of the Storm is capitalizing, and, and Blizzard does a really good job of this. And I admittedly am a Blizzard fanboy, but I think it's inarguable to say that Blizzard doesn't take what others have already done and try to improve on the formula. They've tried to improve on real-time strategy with Warcraft and they did StarCraft to improve on that, and I feel like they succeeded. I feel like they took what people did well with MMOs, and they made Warcraft, World of Warcraft, and they continue to evolve in that. I mean, there's a reason why it's been popular for over for 12 years, and it's 13 years um, that it's still that it's still viable, and there are millions of people that still play it, uh, and and they figured out somehow how these first-person shooters work to make probably one well it's not even probably one of the most lucrative esports leagues uh with this overwatch league um you know with with these players getting healthcare benefits uh, you know it's like there is uh i mean this is it's the real deal in terms of careers that uh, and uh, to answer your question from earlier uh, there was an article in game informer that that discussed how you could be discovered and there are regional or yeah, that's what I want to know. Yeah, you could actually 
you can go to um, these open division rounds where now I don't know where those necessarily take place, but I'm sure a quick Google search will let you know where you can find them. But at these open division tournaments, you can actually go uh, participate and you can be scouted and picked up, kind of like a pickup basketball game. So, I mean, our time is already gone, though. There's like almost oh, yeah. no one playing professional esports over the age of 33. So, for sure, job for done sure. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I it's think that, that, that that's a couple, there's a couple reasons for that. I mean, we were forced to go in another direction. This wasn't an option for us eight years ago. So there was no growing up playing it and then finding out that there's an actual career doing this. So I could continue to play this. I mean, we had to put some of those things aside and go to university and, and do whatever else. But we still have a future being, you know, a Twitch streamer or a YouTuber who gets paid whether or not they're good. I'm so, you. you know, well, the dream is alive. The sky's well. the limit. The sky's, even if it's terrible. That's right. At UnboxFox, keep the dream alive. <laughs> keep the dream alive. <laughs> I'm all about it. So, yeah, so, you know, that's, there, there are opportunities. Um, I know for Hearthstone, you can do uh, the Fireside Gatherings. You can actually click on it. I know you probably play mostly mobile. So... If you play if you play mostly that way, you probably would have to actively search it out on the internet. But if you have the Blizzard loader on your screen or the Blizzard um, uh, Blizzard app icon on your screen that has all of your um, that has all of your Blizzard games, like like me who owns all of them, um, there is a there is a button that you can press that will take you like if there's something that's happening fireside gathering wise, it'll tell you where all of them are around you. And you can go to those places and actually play people who are setting up a gathering, and they're all going to meet there to play. Every and time I click it, it's like there's no one playing, you loser. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, see, for me, it, it'll tell you because they are planned out. It's like this one will be next Tuesday at so-and-so place, at this library. That's or London for you. They're antisocial, man. That's library. Just, no. It's so weird. I mean, that you could be in such a big city. I'm in the state of Alabama. There's more people in London than there are in this whole state. I know. And, and they're not sharing their location settings because they, are not. they don't want to be found. <laughs> are they embarrassed to be playing? <laughs> you know, probably a little bit. Sometimes <laughs> I do, like, catch out of the corner of my eyes someone playing something that I recognize. I'm just like, you, you, <laughs> you fam. <laughs> Exactly, even if they don't want to, even if they don't want to admit it. Well, there's another there's another section of this that I find very interesting, and I think that um, I think that this is where it will truly start to it will truly start to make esports a part of the community, a part of a part of our society, and an actual it, it will give esports staying power, and that is. Putting esports in the university setting as a university sport. Now, uh, at the university that I work at, there's already been discussion of adding esports, adding esports and adding scholarships to it. It will be a scholarship sport. I am not the first. I'm not at the first university that's done this, though. There are other universities that have added esports. Um, that and, and there, it's not a lot of, of there aren't many universities that have done this, but there are universities that have added esports, uh, and and they give scholarships for these things. So that what that does though ultimately is that just proves 
at least to some extent, for the time being, that esports is an actual viable, respectable sport that deserves to be recognized. Oh, yeah. Look, I think it totally is. I would say that until they make more per outing than an average, you know, a mid heavyweight YouTuber does, I think they've got room to go. You know, like, I don't know. I, like, we watch YouTubers all the time. They're not particularly good. And they're making as much, if not more. Like, PewDiePie is raking in so much more than every single, like, esports player out there. And he kind of sucks. So, right. you know, until until there's some, like, parody on how much these people can earn, you know, I think it's still got room to grow. But it is cool that it's it's becoming less stigmatized as well. Right. And we could use PewDiePie and, and some of these other guys as examples of what not to do, but also to show where this is all, how it's broken, how that part of it's broken, especially with YouTube. Matt Pat from Game Theory uh, came out with a video the other day that talked about the algorithm that pushes your video to the front and how controversy can actually hijack or hack this algorithm to put your video in front of others. Yeah. Um, and instead of it being content driven and normally the algorithm would work if everybody acted right and wasn't a bunch of idiots. But if you have people who are idiots that, that choose to do something sensational or controversial, well, that, that hacks the system and that allows their video to go in front of yours. Instead of something that is newsworthy, you have somebody like Jake Paul. So, uh, yeah. You know that, and, and unfortunately, that's the way that it works. But back to the, you know, from the university perspective, uh, I, I'm trying to see the, I'm try, I was trying to find some actual numbers on that. Um, but there is a National Association of Collegiate Esports. Um, there is, there are a number of universities. They're usually smaller and private that have have opportunities uh, in esports. But Robert Morris University in Illinois. Um, Shriner University in, in Texas. Uh, let's see. There's, uh, let's see, any big universities. Georgia State has one. Uh, Miami of Ohio has a program, which is probably the biggest university that I Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, you have to, if you're in the States, you have to distinguish between, because Miami of Miami because uh, there oh. is a Miami, Ohio, never heard of and then there's Miami, a Miami, Ohio is probably so small. <laughs> you, it is, but the university, this is what doesn't make sense, the University Miami of Ohio is much larger than Miami of Florida, because Miami of Florida is a, a private school. So it's very small in Florida, but Miami of Ohio is a public school. It's got a much larger, Ben Roethlisberger from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe, went there. So. Mm. In case you want to know. Things you learn. Fun fact. Oh, Boise State. Boise State also has a program. Wow. I yeah. know. Yeah. So what we're not saying know? it's mainstream. Uh, but but 2015 is the earliest I've seen um, this taking place. But it looks to be more on the progressive edge. The universities that seem to have it seem to be um, – private in nature they seem to be able to take some risks with stuff like this um just knowing kind of the politics and how 
the financial side of this works at a university setting, to me, this makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to get people in, um, to get people into your school. But also, you could do this and couple it with a number of different majors, and it just works. Seems it would work really well for universities. So there, there are opportunities at the university level to to start your esports career, to actually kind of hone your skills, to take part in something, be a part of a team, and it actually be respectable to the point that there are actually performance-enhancing drugs that are banned from esports leagues. Oh, yeah, Adderall, no? Yeah, Adderall is one of them. Um, there are certain and, – and there are this testing that's done. Uh, they do actually have a testing program that determines if you've you know, taken anything that could be considered performance-enhancing. So I mean, come on, no. All you need to do is shotgun a couple Mountain Dews, you're good. That's well, Mountain Dew Red, whatever that is, I've never had it before, but it seems to be something that... You uh, never had Mountain Dew? I've had Mountain Dew, but not the red one. Code Red? Yeah, It's code not red. the best. The best one is Mountain Dew Voltage. It's the, like, blueberry, blue raspberry one. It's freaking amazing. Well, that would so be, good. I might be interested in trying that one. It's You know, it's just because it has a higher uh, caffeine content than the others. But... Yeah. Well, do you think that that uh, what I think is interesting is to see how Blizzard has somehow more or less kind of cornered the market here. Let's just list the games that they have that have an esports league. Hearthstone, Overwatch, Warcraft has its arenas. Um, Heroes of the Storm has its own tournament and Starcraft. That's almost every game that they make. Yeah. The only game that I know of that they don't have one as of yet, but they still have an active community, is Diablo. And Diablo still is a very active community. I don't know that they they have seasons, but they don't necessarily have a direct competition. It's not built that way. So, I mean, do you think that do you think over that uh, Blizzard is trying to corner the market here, or because uh, it seems like they're making it to where Whatever everybody else is doing, they wanted to improve on it and then make theirs better. Dota has been around for a long time. But like you said, there's a shelf life for all of this. Yeah, well, I look, it makes business sense. So if, if they've proven that there's an audience that wants to watch this, why as a manufacturer would you not be the one who has the exclusive rights to show that content? So they're selling the live streams of these games to Sky, to ESPN, you know, to all the others, to Twitch, whatnot. You know, they're licensing out the names of these people. They're making merch. You know, they're right. cross-promoting it in their games to get their other fans, like, excited. Like, it, it, it's literal smart business sense. If they've got the platform that people want to play on, then they can market it if they sign up enough people. That That's literally, you know... To, to strip all of the glamour out of it. That's why they would do it. Um, right. Because it's better for them to be making money off of it than someone else. And the market's already been proven. So they're they're cashing in on something they know people want. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Just that would be the motivation. You know, it, it makes sense. Right. Yeah, and I, I would agree. Um, it, 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 it seems like that is the route. Blizzard... Blizzard seems that seems to be their formula to take what others have done and and to improve improve upon the formula. 
you do see it. I, right now, you see Nickelodeon actually has a number of shows uh, later at night. It's I think it's like nine or ten o'clock at night where they're actually streaming. I don't think they're actually streaming. It's pre-recorded, but they've recorded competitions and they're actually showing them at like nine or ten at, at night. And so that's. I mean that to me that's as mainstream as I think it's gotten. Uh, ESPN two or or ESPN the Ocho whatever level that they've thrown um, poker onto, or or some of the the professional gaming. That may not be quite as mainstream as Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon is reaching a lot of kids. Oh, hundred percent. No one's watching ESPN four. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, well, okay. Any predictions? Do you have any predictions on uh, where e e sports is going to go? Um, I think it's just going to continue to get more mainstream. I think when people have more access or they can learn more about the competitors in advance, I think the the big downside of it right now is that, like you know, Hearthstone invited us to choose our champion, yeah, and I read two bios and picked the second one because um, he was the <laughs> undefeated Russian champion. I was like, that'll do. But if so he already they had like intimidating. a YouTube, or she, either one. Yeah, it was a guy. It was fine. But like, if they had a YouTube channel, I actually knew more about the person. Like, I felt more connected to them. Yeah. I may have already known about it beforehand. So I think that's probably the next step is getting people familiarized with the big players kind of before the matches. So they're already invested in the success of these people. And I think that will kind of steal some of the wind out of the other you know, YouTubers that are just posting like sensational content, you know, I, I think they could become as popular as other mainstream athletic like personalities if they're, you know, given enough publicity paraded in front of people enough times they become like more household names. That that would be my prediction. And and with the power of some of these big publishers behind them, it's possible. I do. I agree. And I think that's, I think we're going to see it continue to grow. I think that these, most of these programs have, have popped up in the last two years, and so I think that's only going to continue to grow, especially with at my university. Us at least even discussing it um, shows that it, it, is, uh, it is reaching it's reaching the years. It seems to be lucrative, and universities wouldn't do it <laughs> if it wasn't going to make, um, well, yeah. make financial sense. You know, They're not going to start something that's going to cost us money. We're not a major university that can afford to lose money on football. So, anyway. Well, that brings us to our last topic, Featured Favorites. Featured Favorites is where we discuss one of our favorite games of all time, not necessarily critically acclaimed, but um, nonetheless one that we enjoy and and, want to add to our list of favorite games. So, Featured Favorite of this week for you, Amanda, is what? It's actually a Nintendo game. I mean, holy crap. I know. I know it's going to be retro because, you know, I haven't played any recent Nintendo consoles. We're talking about (laughs) Duck Hunt, the original, the best Duck Hunt, man. It was the first time in my life I'd ever been able to shoot a gun at a television and it didn't break anything. So when was the second time in your life? I mean, the second time. (laughs) Oh, I played an Oculus Rift demo. Yeah. But, you know, (laughs) I've never shot a gun at a TV that wasn't a like laser gun, you know what I mean? Real or <laughs> I otherwise, yeah. Had a pretty good idea it was gonna break, yeah. So. Absolutely. But yeah, no, it was it was super fun. I think the technology was pretty revolutionary for the time, and it was like consistently good. Like I remember 
that you had to be fairly precise. Like, even if you got right up on it, if you weren't directly hitting the duck, you know, you, you weren't going to get your point. And, uh, I remember playing it at, I think like a Thanksgiving back in the like nineties somehow. Um, I, I think my uncle had it and he brought it from Kentucky and it was the first night I ever played it. And it's just always stuck with me. You know, I never had a chance to play it since because it's, you know, kind of hard to get a hold of the peripheral that's not broken. Uh, people are pretty rough with them. Um, but it's, it's a solid game. It had, you know, elements. It wasn't just look for this thing popping up because if you hit the dog, you know, you lose. So you had to actually be selective about what you shot at and you know it's fairly challenging game so i will put duck hunt as not only nostalgia fodder but a solid featured favorite i'm going to uh blow your mind real quick if you get a chance if you're bored if you have uh, a couple hours there's a game out there called duck season Mm-hmm. Duck Season is a twist on the game that you just listed as your feature favorite, where you have you play as a little boy playing that game. However, <laughs> the the dog in the game, which looks almost exactly like the dog from Duck Hunt, is sentient and may, okay. if you do the wrong thing, murder your family and you. Like, I don't want to play that. That's horrible. Oh what yeah, you need to at, at least at least YouTube it. Duck season, terrifying. Duck season, your face. Duck season, horrible. Will ruin the game for you. Um, anyway, uh, for me, I'm actually going to. I'm not. I'm going to be the one that's doing a more retro take this time on the game. So for me, uh, my feature favorite this week is going to be uh, Gears of War. And I'm going to list the first one. Gears of War. Um, Gears of War was one of the first co-op yeah. games I played on on uh, the next gen at the time, Xbox 360. And uh, my best friend and I would. He lived. He lived in another city, miles and miles away in Texas. It doesn't matter. And you know, he could be in the same state. He's still another state away. And um, but we would. We would get on at night and play uh, co-op together, so it was split screen, and um, and I just remember hours and hours of getting to play, co- coordinating things, and and it was one of the first times that I really got to do that, uh, or that I was ever able to do that with with a friend, and and the story, even though you know a lot of people make fun of the you know the chest high walls and the uh, and the the burly or the, the, the main character, Marcus Phoenix, and how everybody was, like, over-masculinized and everything. I, I mean, I think that was just the nature of the game. And that was the style and the art of the game. And so none of that really seemed to bug me. I just really I just really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed the story. I, I mean, I thought Dom, who has, uh, you know, has, has a kind of rough go at it with his wife, ended up, you know, spoiler alert for a 10-year-old game, his wife ends up dying and uh, in the whole thing because she was kidnapped by the locusts. That was so rough. That was the like I cried. No lie. It was hard. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, that was a, an emotional part. So if that's the case, then obviously this game had some emotional resonance with people, and and could actually tell a story that people cared about. And I think people cared about the characters. And even though Dom whined a lot, that was a tough part of the game. You know. So uh, anyway, that's my pick. Feature favorite. 
Gears of War, I think, is a quality game, and I think that they made quality sequels after that, and it is a franchise that I like. I look forward to playing more of. So, well, that does it. That wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. Yeah, I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templateofgeek.com. Any questions or comments, anything about esports, please feel free to sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templateofgeek.com. Please head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download and rate us because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.